1: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing.
2: Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20 bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at
3: mintmobile.com/slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers
0: for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full turns at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
2: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. This happy voice is catnaps. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw.
5: And I'm Jennifer Landa.
2: And we are here to talk about breaking news from a long time ago. It's our Star Wars news show, and it's one of those kind of slow news weeks, but that means we're going to have more time to discuss some of the uh, wild and weird stories out there. <laughs> Plus, a, this day in Star Wars history. Before we get to that, we do want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com. Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I don't even say those words anymore. They just flow out of my tongue from muscle memory. Uh, And a little bit later, we have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And even though we're suggesting one, there's so many books clearly out there to choose from so you can help the show and also help yourself. We also have some Ask going on. We love asking because it's something that's actually hard for us to do. It's a challenge (laughs) for us all to be like, hey... Please, fans, can we have some more? But we have, uh, we've had, we're having so much fun on the live shows on YouTube, uh, the uh, Patreon, um, and Discord uh, discussion that's going on, and just hanging out with our fans, and and just uh, being more out there, literally sometimes with our faces. Uh, but Joseph, we have an ask related to all of that going on.
4: That is right. I mean, part of our asks today are really just uh, celebrating, uh, that, uh, asked and answered. Uh, hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll get, we'll get better at the asking as we continue to get, um, positive responses. Uh, so a, a couple of asks wrapped up in thank yous, uh, <laughs> A's and nah, I'm going to leave that one alone. Anyway, uh, <laughs> So the, the Patreon page that we really want to just keep asking about the Patreon page, uh, let you all know that we are giving more focus to it. We have reworked it. The, there are new tiers and some new rewards. Uh, the biggest uh, new thing we're doing with Patreon is that we're going to be doing a series of Indiana Jones podcasts entitled Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcasts, And we want to let you know that the first episode of that chapter one of that uh, seven episode series is going to be available on on patreon monday march 20th uh we will be releasing them every few weeks uh we'll be very clear and honest with the schedule as we go we got that whole star wars celebration in the (laughs) middle of things uh to deal with uh but then once the film dial of destiny comes out after that we'll make these available available to the to the public and everybody as well but if you want to be with us on the indiana jones journey go check out the patreon page and the thank you wrapped in that is we set a goal of sixteen hundred dollars and we blew past that uh we are past that so thank you everyone for getting past that uh what we're doing at sixteen hundred dollars is we're gonna record a special live star wars ranked live stream uh for patrons so we'll be doing that we'll be thinking up some more goals but for now we're all all eyes on monday march 20th so that is the patreon part of it ken any thoughts on
2: that one uh other than just a big thanks uh to all of you to make this uh you know, a reality. Uh, we 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 the world of the podcast is changing. The world of podcast business is changing, and so that's uh, it was just the right time to not only refocus on Patreon to to honestly keep the show going strong. Uh, it will always be going, but we want to be going strong. But also <laughs> to, as Joseph said, to to kind of honor those on there who've been supporting us and and that community that makes us so strong. And it's been a lot of fun and. You know, I've been performing and doing things for decades now. So is Jen. So is Joseph. Uh, It doesn't make that any easier sometimes. And you're like, hey, pay attention (laughs) to me. Or, hey, do you (laughs) like me? Check yes or no. And so it's a struggle for me personally, Um, speaking for myself. And it's just been fun to see you all um, have fun and, and join the community. So many, every time you go into Discord, you get the, you get, you pop up. And everyone's waving to you. And some names I got to go in and say hi to. Um, so it's it's been a lot of fun. So that's, there you go. That's my comment. Truth and honesty and gratitude. That is great. You're
4: right. The modern internet is uh, just massive, massive passing a note <laughs> in health class going, are we cool? Do you like me? Uh, so, yes, Check yes that's or great. No. <laughs> Check yes or no. Check uh, maybe later. Uh, <laughs> that's fine, too. Uh, along those lines, uh, something that we really wanted to do, we were excited to do Um Put some work into finding the venue, getting all the ticket links up. And we are announcing on the podcast here that we do have a live stand up comedy show that Ken and I will be doing in London when we're there for a Star Wars Celebration. It's something we really wanted to happen. It, it was uh, not easy to set up <laughs> mm-hmm. from across the old pond, but we did manage to do it uh, and really rushed to get those ticket links up uh, this past Friday. And we were really rewarded in that there was a very fast, very great response as we're recording this on Monday morning. Uh, there's only one ticket left. So uh, a couple bits of news about the tickets for the, the live show. It's on Sunday, April 9th. Um, we have a, a total capacity of seating, but then we can add a few more seats. If uh, not a few more seats, we can sell a few more tickets uh, for standing room. So we're going to add, if we sell out all of the seated tickets, we'll add a few more spaces and be clear that it's standing room and uh, keep the tickets a little cheaper for standing room. So that's the, the one announcement there. Uh, The other thing is a, an apology that I want to offer in some information uh, if anybody needs it. Um, So the venue that we found is a nice little intimate venue in the basement of a pub. Uh, But because it is in a basement of a pub, uh, there is no elevator. It's just stairs. So there is an accessibility issue. And, Totally 100% my fault. I forgot to mention that uh, on our ticket link. Uh, I added it um, a couple hours after the ticket link went up because uh, I remembered. Uh, that I needed to do that. In all honesty, this is the first time I've used Eventbrite. I used to use brown paper tickets, and brown paper tickets used to make you answer whether or not it was accessible. Mm-hmm. So in my fervor to get it up, I just missed it, and I sincerely apologize. If that is uh, a, a, a problem for anyone, a conflict for anyone, and you've already bought tickets, we will absolutely refund, and my sincere apologies for not getting that information on the ticket link uh, from the very beginning, which it should have been.
2: Uh no hey I I think that's gonna be appreciated by the folks out there and and look if there's anything we can do to help when you're there to 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 get you where you need to be I am uh, absolutely uh, there for that but we also know that's not always the case and and um yeah uh, I stand by Joseph on uh, hey we are very sorry about that here's the truth here's where we're at and uh, it's gonna be a fun show uh, I'm looking forward to that one a lot so uh,
4: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And to to end on the positive, it was really, really gratifying to see uh, the excitement and see how fast the tickets went. So thank you all. And we can't wait uh, to see you in London.
2: I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I had no idea what I was going to say. And then the moment that link went up, suddenly my my mind was like, here's your set list. So (laughs) (laughs) nice all right uh before we get into the news we always do like to catch up and it's important to catch up this this uh this life adventure star wars adventures thing is just a fun way for us to talk about star wars in our lives but uh you out there y'all need to take a breath remember you're a human here on this planet and talk about what you're experiencing good and bad before we just dive into star wars so that's one of the reasons we do this uh jen uh where did star wars find you these, these last few days
5: you know l- l- this obviously this past week was all about the Mandalorian the Mandalorian's return so I was so excited to finally watch the first episode and I was delighted as you guys know and some of you listening mm-hmm. I am obsessed with the creatures and the alien species in Star Wars mm-hmm. and there were so many of them I was like freeze framing I was like <laughs> wait how which 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 species is this and I did a little video and then somebody corrected me, rightfully so. And I had a moment, of twinge where I was like, "I ah, got something wrong." <laughs> uh, and old me would have been mortified and taken the video down and been so embarrassed. The new me was like, "I have to remember these are made up species. Like this is not like real <laughs> life. Like this, <laughs> you know. There's like so many different subspecies of of the the nictos, Nikto, but I got wrong." I said it was an an Azamel in the folk band uh, playing with a Twi'lex. It was not an Azamel, friends. It was a Gran. And the difference, if you don't know, which I had forgotten, the Azamels have six eyes. It's the Mm. species that we saw in the Lodge, in Solo, Mm. at the Sabak game. But Grans only have three eyes. And this species in the folk band was a Gran. And I was just... (laughs) Oh, it was one of those moments where I was like, I... I spend a lot of time on on caring about these things (laughs) and it just, it was even crystallized further when my, my daughter was playing with a Tauntaun and she was calling it, I forget what she was calling it. I was like, that's not a blah, blah, blah. It's a a Tauntaun. She goes, where do Tauntauns live? I was like, well, they live in the cold on, on, in the snow and Hoth. And then I realized she doesn't know that this is not real. Like I need to let her know that this is not a real life creature. (laughs) Hoth is not a real life planet. I was like, it's a make-believe character from Star Wars. And she just was like, oh, okay. But anyways, it's all fun. It's all make-believe. And Grands have three eyes and Asimals have six.
2: Hey, you know what? Uh, we've all been there, number one. <laughs> and, and I can't. And nine seasons doing the of this show. There's definitely been a few occasions where I've gone back and clipped out. Uh, a, when I said "storm guy" instead of "stormtrooper," or uh, <laughs> Joseph. I, I think I. I think I maybe said something wrong. It's just we have so much knowledge in our head mm-hmm. that it just sometimes fails to come out.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> oh. Yep.
4: Yep, Yep, we all make mistakes. It is totally natural. And I I think I want to do, we've been trying to do more YouTube shorts. I I think I want to do a YouTube short about the absolute confusion about, hey, when we were kids, these three characters were (laughs) Gladu, Brada, Nikto. Now... (laughs) Now Nikto is a species and Clatu is one and maybe Klaatu is Klaatu. But also there's a different one who used to be Clatu, who's also named Wolf. <laughs>
5: so, yes.
4: And Barada a Klaatuinian. Clatu isn't a Klaatuinian. He's a Nikto. It's a almost who's on first from what they
2: did to us as kids. <laughs> That'd be great. Sure. That'd be great. I mean, look, I'm still bitter over. Uh, it's an ad at because Kenner told me it was like, what do you want from me? What do you want from me, kids?
4: Oh, uh, I was thinking about that one today. It's, it's not a debate. It's just when you were born. That yep. That's not a debate. It's yep. just, mm-hmm. you know, when a website asks you what year you were born, it's not like, ooh, what's your take?
5: <laughs> yes, it's, <laughs> it's
4: when you were born. If you were born a certain time, you only ever heard at-at.
2: And if you weren't, you didn't.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: That's well, well, Jen, um, you're, you're still, you still got a home here at Four Center, no matter how many <laughs> eyes you recognize on a character.
5: <laughs> Thank you.
2: Love that there. Uh, mine was pretty simple. Uh, I, 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 you know, get in these uh, moods where I'm doing the cardio, I'm getting on the treadmill. I, I did the Mando rewatch and the Boba Fett rewatch and... It's kind of like, well, I still like doing extended cardio sessions. I got to watch more Star Wars. So I finally started my Obi-Wan Kenobi rewatch, which mm. I haven't seen Ooh. since the show uh, aired, other than little bits here and there. And, uh, man, not only just reaffirmed my my love and appreciation for the show and, uh, again, as we always say, understand some things don't work for everyone. There's beats here and there. We go, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know. But, man, I, especially after that first episode. Just watching this show confirm Leia's place in the legacy of the story, confirming her importance, basically having Bail say that to Obi-Wan. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, that means a lot to me as a Star Wars fan, as someone who not only just grew up with Leia, but uh, influenced by her as well and the character. So I love that. And I just love um, I just I was I just had that thought of like, even though we experienced this back in April and May <clears throat> during Celebration, like I'm watching you and McGregor do Obi Wan Kenobi again. Mm-hmm. Like that's not lost on me. Um, that doesn't. That kind of stuff doesn't wash over any sins of the show. You know, I, I don't. I think sometimes people take that stuff like that. It just means simply, wow. I'm very grateful that we have this experience and we get to dive into it, and and it's been fun. Watching the show again, I'm, I'm through uh, three episodes and just seeing all the stuff that they got into and how deep it was and how that first episode d- did a great job of going, by the way, here's everyone's themes and goals and drives and lessons that are going to be learned. It's all right here, right? Which is what you kind of want out of a episode one of a show or a season or first act of a movie. Totally get it. Totally get the, the final draft format of it all. Um, but it's just to see it and to see it more clearly now that this, this show is behind us. Uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So um, I love that when Star Wars um, creeps up on you, even though it's the thing you think about every day. So, <laughs> so from that Kenobi talk, I pitch it to Joseph and uh, his Kenobi love heart.
4: Oh, yeah, man. I really enjoyed my, my rewatch in that first episode in particular. You know, we all used to joke about uh, or I, I don't know we all did uh, we used to joke about uh, we we would take just an indie film that's two hours of Kenobi being depressed in the desert mm-hmm. and I feel like that first hour is not only exactly what you said Ken it is setting up all of the themes and all of the goals but it, it's so great because you just get quality time with Obi-Wan Kenobi in this yeah. different emotional state the performance is amazing uh, I, I love that first episode yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. love it yeah, my Star Wars adventures uh, this week were weird. Yeah, because they were it was all the the Mando thrill and excitement and uh, the the rush to talk about it. And then I rewatched it with my wife and chatted through it with her, and oh, that is all great. Um, there definitely, you know, some some ups and downs with the Mando discourse. We got some questions about that coming up in our Cues uh, of the Force episode later this week. Um, but I, I was managing to be like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm I, everybody can have opinions. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> i 'll stay there here and join the band uh, with the grand um, <laughs> eh, which I really did. Um, I love that band uh, it, so i I got a a, a haircut uh, this week uh, i the The person I go to was great we We often chat about uh, movies and trips in the general socal area always always great, and it was a super friendly conversation but uh we got into star wars and uh you know she's somebody like oh, I, I watch stuff but like oh did does bad batch have another season i was like oh yeah you gotta check it out it's great um and she was like mandalorian's back right and it's like oh yeah it is you gotta check it out uh anyway it slid into uh her sharing some of uh her uh husband's opinions
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
4: <laughs> and it was one of those like oh everybody has a right to their opinions i think i probably disagree with your husband about a lot of things <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey.
4: and trying to have a very very uh polite and understandable you know uh, conversation and there there was no conflict at, mm-hmm. at all you know and i would happily talk to her husband in person about it but it was just uh, it was a, a step back of you know uh, how the shows themselves have so much impact on our life, but sort of the discussions, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you can uh, start to see even sort of uh, secondhand, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. oh, he likes this one, he doesn't like this one. Great, cool, great. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that <is fun>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but. I think they would both like Bad Batch, and I was like, okay, they hadn't watched Andor yet, and it's like, I think your husband's going to love Andor, I think you're both going to love Bad Batch, I can't wait to talk to you about those. So it was actually, at the end of the day, very, very positive in that, well, let's focus on the parts that I bet we're all going to like. Uh, I love me my uh, stylist and your husband i've never met
2: <laughs>
4: these are the ones we're all gonna like together
2: is that a like is that a book of poetry um uh, love, <laughs> love that yeah i, I had a, I, I ran into quite frankly a star wars arch enemy at a party friday night someone i tried to avoid talking Star Wars with and and, and this person asked me hey you, you see mando I went, yeah you like it i went yeah great and he goes ah me too and i go but i gotta say bad batch is probably my favorite star wars show right now Really? I don't like it. I said, oh, too bad. I like it. Okay, And (laughs) and it was great. It was refreshing. (laughs)
4: Yes, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to throw one other thing out there for my Star Wars adventures, Ken. Uh Uh, My my planned thing to talk about this uh, week on Star Wars Adventures is that listener Will Dixon made us those uh, wonderful custom figures that you mailed me, Ken, Mm. from our PO box. I have been waiting for a calm and special time to open them. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, because i'm so excited Mm -hmm. i want to have a calm and special time and uh i i've failed to find a calm and special time but i'm going to this week uh, because i I can't wait to see them and i'm so touched that that will made those for us yes
5: Yes. thank you
2: great stuff indeed i still actually got my Time grappler in my hands a lot of times when I record. So, if occasionally you hear a little drop, it's one of his hammers falling out and hitting. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to some Star Wars news, my friends. The headline reads The True Story of the Star Wars Holiday Special to be Revealed. uh Yeah, like I said, uh, slower news week. We got Star Celebration coming. Mando is out, but I like these kind of stories. I like kind of the uh, the weirder corners of the Star Wars news world. And uh, Jeremy Kuhn and Steve Kozak's documentary, which was announced a couple of years ago, A Disturbance in the Force, How the Star Wars Holiday Special Happened will finally have its debut at South by Southwest. And a trailer was dropped featuring interview clips from, among uh, many people, Weird Al, Kevin Smith, the late Gilbert Godfrey, and even friend of the show, Bonnie Burton. So uh, I watched the uh, uh, trailer. I thought it was something we would talk about here. I sent it out. So, Joseph, Jennifer, thoughts on the trailer and the project? And, and I have some follow-up questions to that, but we can start in general. Jennifer, we would be remiss if we did not start a holiday special conversation with your thoughts.
5: All right. All right, let's get into this. (laughs) So, as as you all know, I love (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I love the Star Wars holiday special. This trailer reminded me of those VH1 specials of "I love the '80s," "I love the '70s." Remember those? I do. From VH1, yeah. So, and what's funny is that they actually had some of the same people that were in those specials, like Gilbert Gottfried, Paul mm-hmm. Shear. Right? I'm sure <laughs> even Kevin Smith probably made an appearance. Um, here's what I would love: mm-hmm. I would love a real documentary, no shade. I want an honest documentary that talks with the people and the performers who actually made the holiday special mm-hmm. and uncovers the drama. Um, and gives viewers like an understanding of what they were thinking when they made the special, what that time period was. Show me news clippings. Show me the shows that were popular at that time. Show me the celebrities that were popular because it's like, a, it's like a time capsule, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I, I, I really. <sighs> I want a true behind-the-scenes look at how the special was made, not like people commenting. I mean, and I get it. Like, these are people who experienced the holiday special firsthand, watching it at home and whatnot. We love Bonnie. Bonnie has a hilarious – like, she has so much great insight. Yeah, um, She actually was on my Jedi beat where I talked about the holiday special. Yes. Um, mm. And she was she was fantastic. So we love Bonnie. But I just feel like Bruce Valanche is still alive. Like you can, and he's always talking about it. Like why not? Maybe they do interview him. I don't know. But.
2: I will say, I'll, I'll say this, Jen. He, I think he's listed in there. Okay, like, okay. good, good. Um, but again, it's the it's the approach, and I think Donnie Osmond is at least
5: yes, he is. They have mm-hmm. some
2: weird Osmond clips in there as well. But yeah, I think what you're talking about, Jen, is um, the tone and tenor of it, right?
5: Yes. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll pitch it to you
2: guys (laughs) before I go off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a question. Those are some of the follow-up questions of what do we want to learn from this? And and Joseph, what do we maybe hope this documentary avoids doing or some of the thoughts that we might have? Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Jennifer and I often uh, agree, um, but this is, we agree with almost the exact same words <laughs> in the exact same notes. Uh, you, 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 have my lightsaber, Jennifer, uh, uh on this one is it, it, the, the trailer looked fun. I, I love the, the fun vibe. I love that Bonnie's in it. So I know it, the entire thing won't be just it, it, it's bad there will, mm-hmm. cause I know Bonnie loves it and sees, you know, the value of it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, from looking at it from lots of different perspectives. So I, I know I feel like this is just going to be like, you know, a, a bashing. I, I think what I feel about the holiday special is, you know, it is bonkers mm-hmm. and that's part of its charm. And we should poke fun in it. And, and we should ask the question, what the bleep, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's part of the fun. But the other part of, of it, that's interesting. And I think is what Jennifer says is it's fun to say, what the bleep how did this happen but there are actual answers to the question what the bleep
2: yes mm-hmm. and
4: i don't want it to start at just the fun of how did this is bonkers you shouldn't do that and who was in it and then they did this and mm-hmm. the, the, the sexy vr it's all fun and it is all great but again there are there are answers and they're really interesting and they have a lot to tell us about entertainment and generational change and lucas's relationship with his need to own it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Vlanch is a fascinating figure and I Googled yeah. to make sure he's alive.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if, if,
4: if people don't know Bruce launches <laughs> is the, the head writer and the person who kind of ultimately, you know, took it into the, the direction where it became, you know, a, mm-hmm. a wild strange variety show. So I, it, I have no doubt that this documentary is going to be fun, but I hope it does act. And maybe the trailer is just really emphasizing the fun in the bonkers. What the bleep but I hope it does actually get into the sort of the step-by-step step. this is how it happened because I, I I love jokes where or those moments in life where every choice you made that day is logical mm-hmm. but somehow you know you end up in a position that like you're alone in a room somebody opens the door you're shirtless uh you are covered in soup and there's a five dollar bill burning in your hand and you're like <laughs> every step along this path made perfect sense. And if you could see it from my perspective, you would understand that I thought I was making good choices, sure. but somehow we ended up here. What? And that question of how did we end up yeah. burning money covered in soup? That's what's interesting.
2: What Scribshaw sketch was
4: that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that? That is
2: amazing. Uh, I, I agree with both of you here. I agree with both. I'll say this to start. Uh, the only thing I'm super familiar with of this duo, Jeremy Kuhn was part of the Raiders, uh, the documentary of, of the group of friends that tried to recreate Raiders of the Lost Ark in the 80s shot by shot on VHS tapes and VCRs and then try to finish it later on in life to get the one final shot they need. And it's a fascinating doc and I think it's got some heart to it. And that's my hope. And it's scary. And by the way, this is a trailer and the trailer's going to sell what the what the bleep part of it there. So I think all three of us are pro- approaching it with hope. I think we've been as fans burned before by some of this, or just had our taste change. I think 20 years ago, or uh, 15, maybe even 10 years ago, I would have wanted this doc just to lamb base that silly little thing. Um, that might have been where my heart was. It's not where my heart is anymore. And I just want to know more and I want to find what's there. Uh, Achmeda, and, and, you know, Krowman, all those kind of things like uh, you know, Mark Hamill's makeup. I don't care. It's all fun, it's all part of it. It's changed, and I don't want a people versus George Lucas approach to things anymore, Exactly. because um, I think it can be uh, more dangerous and destructive. And declare, clear, not uh, because no, no, not three of us aren't saying that this. It, we haven't seen it; we don't mm-hmm. yeah, see no. the trailer. I just, and I, I'm speaking for myself here. My defenses go up nowadays, where it's just like, what What are you trying to do with this? And what's the point? And maybe it's got a great point. I will absolutely watch this when I can. Um, and I love a lot of the names involved. And look, Ke- 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 Weird Alza, a sweetie. Uh, Kevin Smith cries mm-hmm. when he sees Star Wars stuff. Lonnie, uh, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, we all know personally and is just a hoot and very knowledgeable about this stuff. So I'm looking forward to, it. but yeah, I, I, I just, I think all of us, little radar beeps, I'm like R2 outside of echo base. Just do, 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 do,
4: Yeah. And I mean, and if it is really just having fun and talking about the reactions to people who saw it or or discovered it later in life, and like, there's nothing wrong with it, just being fun. But yeah, you know, but but there is a lot of good research and a lot of good yeah. interviews out there. And and if you are really curious, if you don't know a lot about it, um, hopefully this will add even more insight. But there are you know plenty of resources to to figure out how yeah. this happened.
5: <laughs> yeah, like for example, B. Arthur's kind of inclusion. So people were like, oh, P. Arthur, that's so weird. You know, Golden Girls. It's like, no, at the time she was extremely popular with, with her series mod. Mm-hmm. And so her inclusion was like a big name. And she also was like interested. I mean, she's also has a background of in musicals and she's a great singer. And so she really wanted to sing. And so then they brought in this team to, to come up with a song for her so that she could sing, because that was what she wanted to do. And it is this weird moment, right? Mm. But it it fits and it all like you're saying like it all makes sense and the reasoning behind it. But I don't know. Um, I'm I, you're right. It's gonna be, it'll be fun. I just don't I don't want it to be a, a George Lucas like that that George Lucas documentary. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah, no.
2: It, 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 yeah, because we, we're we're open to it. Yeah, I just I, I think I'm speaking honestly about what it makes me makes me feel. Yeah, God, the, Yeah, the 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 time period is a, is very interesting angle You mentioned Beart Harvey Corman I mean, I don't know. That's the the equivalent of Will Ferrell being cast in a Star Wars holiday thing now? I don't know. I don't know the exact modern equivalent, and, and I think a lot of people, listener, a lot of our listeners, know Harvey Corman, But mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of stuff is fascinating. I want to know. Yeah, that. yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, part of the reason that I feel strongly about the actual story being communicated is because I am so invested in um the the changes in in entertainment, mm-hmm. in, in in eras, you know. And I, yes. I, you know, yes. in in. Yes college i became a huge fan of frank sinatra and martin and lewis and ella fitzgerald and then going back even farther to to bing crosby and to kind of like the whole history and then being a live performer myself and really first starting those steps into doing comedy and to understand the evolution of uh of of entertainment uh, of american entertainment that the variety show is especially in the late 70s is, is the last throes of the death of vaudeville. Mm-hmm. The, the idea mm-hmm. that entertainment should be a little bit of everything. It, vaudeville it translates into variety shows. Um, you know, you've, you've got entertainers uh, who, who like the whole, you know, Sinatra era, Diane Carroll even. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people who are like, this, this is entertainment. This is how we do it, Right. And it's this confusing time where Variety Show isn't bonkers. Mm-hmm. It's it's the 70s. You know, sorry, I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, oh, oh. I will no, contain myself. Great, great. Uh, imagine a, a, a asteroid, a dinosaur-ending asteroid-like moment with the Beatles. Elvis kind of rocked things for, uh, no pun intended, for people like, uh, you know, Sinatra in that entire era of entertainment, uh, but they were able to kind of work with that. And then the Beatles just basically wiped a version of entertainment off of the map, musically, mm-hmm. that variety shows are very, very connected to. Right. It's about the year 1965. Everything changes. And so by the time you get to 70s, there's this confusion where variety shows are still in existence. But... Uh, the kind of the people who made them what they were are are in their twilight period you know Mm -hmm. and then the new talent is kind of trying to do something different with them you know it's just a very weird and interesting time that has a lot to tell us about who we are and how our tastes change in entertainment and why and that's what's really interesting to me about this is it's not a bonkers idea to go oh that star wars thing came out it's kind of for all ages it's kind of a little campy you want to you want to make it entertaining? Well, we'll put it in this in this package. They didn't know that variety shows were about to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So anyway. Yeah. Sorry.
2: And that, well, even that's a weird mix. Star Wars is this game changer in a lot of ways, but it's also built on everything that came in the past, came for you know, came came from the past, George's uh uh youth and youthful interests and, and so to have that kind of combined with something so at the time modern but dying, like you said, it's it's that that's part of the, the bonkers nature of it there. I love it love it yeah. so anyways now we'll see we'll maybe we'll travel to south by southwest <laughs> um the one thing i what is jen I, I, I turn to you again here and for those who want to know go way back in the force center archives i think it's our first year uh or early in the second you'll have uh, jen's jedi beat episode with bonnie burton on it talk about the holiday special Will, will the fascination holiday special ever end or change become something different do we even want it to end uh from our from our generation it is a it was a you know i didn't see it live even though was, i was around at that point uh we were watching the mandrell sisters in our house <laughs> um you know it was an urban legend it was it was almost not even real it was like what what are you talking about and you'd see little clips or something would pop up and Wow. I don't know what I'm seeing. So will this fascination, Jen, ever really come to an end?
5: I don't think it's going to ever come to an end because new people or younger people are going to be discovering it over the years. I don't want it to end, but it is why I would love to have a documentary like Joseph was talking about it really from a historical perspective of what was happening during that time in the entertainment industry. I think it's just so interesting and valuable. I mean, it's, you know, why we love documentaries about the silent age of cinema. And, right. It's kind of the, the same thing, but told through the lens of the star Wars holiday special. Um, <laughs> sorry if you hear my, hear my little Ewok in the background, uh, but I just, I love it so much. And you know maybe it's cause I grew up watching Nick at night and so many old shows that I, I genuinely love it. Like genuinely, not just ironically. Um, and it really makes me want to do my own documentary.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what we need to do. That's, that's the next four center Patreon goal. Uh, it's a big one. A <laughs> I'll do one. It. Hey, you know what? I can
5: re- I'll let, I'll quote unquote remaster my old Jedi be happy beeps. Yeah. I'll put like footage with it, and we put it on uh, you know Patreon or something. That True. I totally would be up for that.
2: Beautiful. Let's get Jen's version out there. I love that. I love. Yeah. Uh, I ask you the same questions, series of questions, Jess.
4: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think the fascination will ever end, and I don't think it should because I think mm-hmm. it it is bonkers, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, and and that is really fun, and it is fun to ask why, and and it is also fun to search for those answers. I, I think one one of the other things that's fascinating for me, it is I get older, is like, yeah, I I did watch this, yeah. and I have mostly traumatic memories of the stormtroopers trying to take away <laughs> a Wookiee's <laughs> toys. That's what I thought it was mainly about. I didn't even remember the singing you know and then i saw it as an adult was like wow Mm -hmm. uh two great tastes that maybe shouldn't go together i don't know (laughs) um but then i become more fascinated as you know we all go on this journey of kind of digging into like what are the core ideas of star wars and the fact that it does start with a very lucas idea right Mm -hmm. of he's too busy to watch over it all he gives it off to somebody accompanying and people that he trusts and then that shifts and and then it becomes a, a weird variety show, but that he starts off with this idea of like, I really like the Wookies. I like their community. I like mm-hmm. you know that this is a for for Lucas. It really is early Ewoks, right? It's it's a yeah. story about family and empathy and embracing the whimsical side of Star Wars, and that Star Wars is joyful. It's not just about being cool, right? Mm-hmm. These core ideas that Lucas starts with are really fun to to track down, and and it's really fun to ask yourself. Well, if Lucas actually did say, oh, no, wait, <laughs> you're turning into a variety show? I'm coming back in and I'm making this. How much How much would be different? I think maybe less singing. Maybe. But Wookiee's growling and the the sense of Han owes it to Chewie to get him home for the holidays. Yeah. That's pure Lucas in a, in a, in a whimsical side of Star Wars that, that people still sometimes struggle with.
5: Mm-hmm. Still- and
4: I think looking at it from that lens makes it really fascinating as well.
2: I love all this. This is great. Yeah. um, Yeah. There's value to be found in it. Uh, And it's not just the, the the Boba Fett animated uh, sequence, which is, is fascinating. And and I think if you watch that now and then go watch an episode of Mando, a book of Boba Fett, you go, Oh, I, I see what Favreau is trying to do. He's just trying to write that episode over and over and over (laughs) again. And, And I mean that in a great way. So yeah, there's a lot to it, of course, a lot of history and I I'm with you both. I don't want the fascination to end. I just don't think it will end because part of the joy of star Wars is the table gets bigger and bigger and bigger and new people show up and you discover this um, naturally. Maybe it's listening to us. Maybe it's uh, someone says it at a party or maybe you see something on the internet and you just go, what, what? And that's <laughs> how it will happen. And, and hopefully I think the times have changed where, um, it's not just about finding value in it. It's 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 seeing what is there and seeing all the stuff you're you're both talking about there. So hey, uh we'll 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 give it a chance. It's Serbs in the Force, how the Star Wars holiday special happened. Uh, maybe we'll have an exclusive review that uh um, well, we'll let Jen write all the questions for that one to see <laughs> if it passes the test. <laughs> All right. it'll
5: be fun it'll be fun
2: yeah.
4: yeah i'm looking forward to the documentary i think yeah. uh, i think i'm just really excited about the behind the scenes like i said the document the trailer's fun and if the documentary is just having fun with this bonkers thing that's fine too but i'm i'm hungry for more people to be digging into the depth exactly
2: there you go you're hungry like the wookiee all right first news story yeah. done we're gonna take a break but before we do we're gonna let you know uh for center audiobook we think you should try out on us joseph what do we have today
4: we are still recommending Path of Deceit by Justina Ireland and Tessa Grattan. It is a High Republic adventure that we really want to read.
2: We do to download your free audiobook today. Go to Audibletrial.com slash Four Center. Again, that's Audibletrial.com slash Four Center for your free audiobook. Help the show and help yourself all at once. Quick break and then aside, more news here on Four Center.
1: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. and 365-day returns.
2: Welcome back to Force Center. We are here looking at Star Wars news, and, well, here's another weird one. I want to... So much to approach there's some different ways to approach this next story so let's just get it started and see where it goes here this is the weird tale of the rogue one hallway scene i think most of our force and listeners are probably aware but sometimes you're lucky and your head's not in the internet and you go live your life and you don't get all the star wars discourse or news hubbubs going on so here's the tldr on the situation freddie prinz jr was on a vodcast and said that Dave Filoni directed the Darth Vader hallway scene in Rogue One and had them recast Darth Vader for the scene. That was uh, That's, again, the TLDR. We'll get into all the details there. But then, like Wildfire, this spread across the online Star Wars world. Now, I will say this. It was from Freddy. He said it. It's on video. So I don't have uh, any issues with uh, maybe uh, any websites... Or- parodying the story quote-unquote reporting it i think how you dig into it and take that information how you present it might be some of the things we discuss here but freddie did say it uh it was not someone hiding in a parking lot spying on a set down below it was from his mouth but the story was called false by almost everyone involved in the production of rogue one that still has an active twitter account most notably pablo hidalgo hal Hickel, and gary witta all who shared detailed accounts of the shoot Gareth Edwards was involved in the scene. Looks to have been shot by the second unit director, Simon Crane. Uh, you can maybe uh, dive into who directed versus who was there on set. Well, but they were both there is the point. So, friends, Joseph, Jennifer, I ask, why? Why all of this, Joseph?
4: <laughs> oh, man. Where to start? Um, so- I... <laughs> I think let's uh let's start here uh because I don't want to be personally be too harsh on, on Mr Mr Prince Jr um mm-hmm. fabulous uh gift of Kanan's performance uh that he has given uh the fandom and clearly just a a, a great um uh fan and ambassador of Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, my my opinion is that there's a little bit of a telephone game going on I think With this quote and, you know, a splash he made a few years back Mm -hmm. with uh, discussions about balance of the force, which was uh, uh, all it was him on a podcast, I believe. And and he was saying, hey, Dave, Dave, you know, learned from George and Dave explained this all to me. And he said a lot of really compelling and really interesting things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think with both of those statements, in my opinion, there are elements of truth. I think he really had conversations with Filoni. I think this is what he really took away from them. Uh, But I think they have changed shape a little bit by the time Mm -hmm. it becomes the interview and and we hear it. So Mm -hmm. obviously Filoni was, you know, uh, on set, you know, because we know about his whole um, Kathleen Kennedy, giving him the opportunity to work with the directors and move toward live action. Great. And I'm sure he did share some Vader thoughts (laughs) and ideas and suggestions. Mm -hmm. And then I think through the telephone game, it, it becomes, a more concrete statement than truth that's that's where i start with um why did he say it that's my guess and in my assumption so that's where i'm starting I, I pitch back to you and jennifer
2: yeah yeah, yeah. and jen get you in on this here but i i, I agree with that and take there there's nothing in in watching the video that i think i don't think Freddie's playing a game i don't think he's trying to get misinformation out there uh, you know, he is, uh, he's an interesting cat, been around him a couple times and, and very nice and very funny and very, um, goofy in a way. Like I, I, I have a positive, uh, feeling, uh, when I think of him and his name and his involvement in Star Wars. So watching the clip as I did, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think he was like, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I think it just came out of uh, something. And look, I, I sometimes have messed up a little detail here or there in my life. You know, I'm not it's not like Brian Williams line lying about his, you know, interactions in the military or what what happened and all that stuff that got him in trouble. Or, you know, it's not that situation. It's just mm-hmm. like a, uh yeah, wait, was I there or not? <laughs> I, I can't remember. Um and it happened. So I think that's where a good starting point, Jen, about uh, how this all came about.
5: Yeah. I think, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. It just seems like it was an honest mistake. He thought it was an interesting thing to share, an interesting tidbit, tidbit so he shared it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because he is Freddie Prince Jr., it's going to go viral. Mm-hmm. And there's also a narrative around Rogue One that mm-hmm. you know Tony Gilroy saved it, and Gareth Edwards basically did nothing, and so it kind of feeds into that a little bit. And so I think that's yep. also why it went viral um mm-hmm. it just was kind of shocking to actually see so many people connected to the production going and then saying <laughs> no this is wrong like you don't often see that uh mm-hmm. but so that to me is like oh no it must have been flat out wrong also it's a fantastic scene is mm-hmm. beloved by fans so i think there is kind of like this curiosity of oh well who really did direct it right mm-hmm. uh and was it gareth edwards actually in that scene am i mm-hmm. correct right it-
2: yeah, in the, in the, in the, ver- yeah, yeah he's, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah.
5: Right, so, and uh, we basically, it was second unit director Simon Crane that directed it? Mm-hmm. Is that 100% sure?
2: The only reason I bring that up is, is there was some, like, no, Gareth direct, directed it using that term, and some mm. people all know second unit director Simon Crane directed it, which wouldn't be abnormal. Yeah. And it just, like, kind of might be what you said, Jen. I, I didn't go through all the, all the, all the tweets this morning to remind myself. That's the only reason I <laughs> right. just want to you know try to parse that out a little bit uh but yeah but yeah but yeah all 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 hands on deck i guess working on that scene yeah yeah
5: exactly exactly mm-hmm. i'm sure gareth was there i'm sure he was a part of it i'm sure simon crane was there peter jackson was supposedly there
2: <laughs> i saw that and i was like was just everyone there every director <laughs> in the world tarantino smith everyone was there everyone was just hanging out yeah Did
4: yeah you know werner herzog directed that scene <laughs>
5: <laughs> right. I mean, can you I'm sure everyone wanted to be there. It's like when the Mandalorian or like when uh when Hayden came back to to Kenobi, everyone wants to see this moment. Um mm-hmm. so I'm not surprised. But I personally this is what I'm what I'm learning, uh you know, unless you're there on set and you have seen it yourself, may I, I think we have to be careful with how we how we share it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and just want to get some of your thoughts on the great things Jen said there too. I just kind of remember one of the things that I, I think I was even part of, that the, the urban uh, uh, Star Wars myth of, of Spielberg directed some of the fighting in Revenge of the Sith, right? I, I think a lot mm. of it. I've just kind of said that. I was like, yeah, it's a thing I heard. I, it wasn't until the last couple of years so I sat, I was sitting with someone who was like, no, my, my sword, tra-, the guy who trains me in sword fighting was the stunt co- coordinator on that film and absolutely says, no. Nick Lard. Uh, uh, uh no so, someone someone else it was not Nick Laird. uh yeah. but if someone involved, and they were like no no uh now I don't know that person I can't verify what that person said but you know what I mean it's like then you kind of go it made me go oh yeah I guess I never really dug into it you know mm. I just heard it right. I just heard it and I just said it uh, uh I even said this uh, Harrison Ford I, I thought he lived in my hometown for he and Calista Flockhart someone actually I was at a film event a year ago goes no. He just used to fly up and down the coast, stop and have lunch. He never lived here, but we grew up thinking he lived there. Like it was just something we all said. Um, so that's how this stuff flies. Where you know, there's no ill will behind it. Anyways, uh, Joseph uh, Jen brought up a lot of wonderful thoughts, particularly on the. Uh, Filoni is is obviously great, but Garrett did this, and Gilroy comes in. There's a lot of that, and and this scene does come up a lot in those kind of discussions.
4: Yeah, I think th- there's a part of me that, that I really agree with uh Jennifer said of it's a fascinating scene. Um, I know, Ken, you did a, a short about it recently. I mm-hmm. love yeah. that scene because it is it is just this concentration of Star Wars. It is both, uh, on one hand, the most like cool, let's watch Vader is a horror movie. Vader Vader's Michael Myers, amazing. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like great depth to it, of the lesson yeah. of it. He still doesn't get what he wants. So I understand why people would would sort of gravitate to it and want to know the truth of it. Um, But I think a lot of it does come down to the interest in it is um, this sort of uh, behind the scenes trying to figure out... (laughs) I don't know what yeah. which director we're gonna upvote. I don't know. I don't, you know, no. <laughs> right. I, I think there is a little bit of like we want to know what's behind the scenes, but you know, some of the discourse has been, well, this person should be in charge of everything. Dave Filoni should, yes. mm-hmm. should be in charge of everything now. Tony Guerra should be in charge of everything now. John Favreau should never touch Star Wars again. Like <laughs> that, that kind of discourse about sort of what we invest in the creator and, and which creator we elevate. I think um, yeah. can. can get to be a, a big talking point. And you know what? Leave Gareth Edwards alone is my opinion at this point. Uh, Seriously. Th- that person has uh, been through a lot and has been in, from what I can see, an amazing team player who mm-hmm. has kept the focus on the film. And yeah. we wanted to make a good film. It ended up being a team effort and we did it, you know? yeah. And there's just, there is so much confusion about what happened with those reshoots rewrites mm-hmm. who who had the label the director who was sitting in the chair who was literally telling the camera person who is literally saying action to the camera person on what scene when mm-hmm. um i think it's really complex mm-hmm. i think there are a lot of people who've read one or two headlines and like harrison ford eats lunch here turns into harrison ford lives here yeah <laughs> Uh, I think there are a lot of people who feel like they know what happened behind the scenes of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really complicated. And I think only the people who are there know. And I think only the people there know the part of it that they know. Um, yeah. So I really agree with Jennifer that part of it is about this sort of fascination with the, the behind the scenes and, and Rogue One in particular becoming this almost like unsolvable mystery that people mm-hmm. want to know. To know the truth, you know?
2: Yeah, especially as the appreciation of that movie at times seems to grow, even though it was a billion dollar movie back then. It seems like over the years a lot of people cite that as one of their favorites more than I think Yeah, even I heard in 2016 and 2017 range. So I think so that you yeah, know, I, I wanna know. I want to know every detail. What's what's not to love about that? You know, one of my favorite movies is Tombstone. Kurt Russell ghost directed it, but you know, like I want to know all the stories. It's part of the fun being yeah. movie band. But I think it can be used in so many different ways. And I think it was telling to your point, Joseph. It's telling. At these folks, um, Gary Witta, who was in a room uh, with Gareth long before, you know, when the, the writings, I, I had a chance to interview Gary on an old YouTube channel, uh, GPA, and I asked him, and he, he was telling these stories of being over on the Disney lot here in Burbank, uh, in a room, cracking the story with him. So he's got something to tell about that story. Uh, Pablo, obviously this is a movie you clearly Pablo put a lot of love into and seemed to be a little bit more involved. You see more pictures and videos of him on set. So he's got the experiences and and Hal Hickel, who's uh, wonderfully outspoken uh, and so many different ways in life. But I I took, I meant a lot to me that they were just like, we're not giving you the details and and no shade against Friday. We don't know why he said that, but here's some of the stuff that happened because we were there. Mm. Um, It it shows uh, some ownership on the film and, um, a defensive Gareth in a way, just, again, nothing on Filoni, Gilroy, all of it, but Gareth is absolutely a team player. You don't see any shady, uh, you know, vague, uh, you know, sub-tweets from him. You don't see anything. He just went out there and sold this movie as his effort, this, the dream job he had that maybe didn't go the way he planned, uh, but he 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 stuck with it, stuck with the team, and I think that's being reflected here too in these stories.
4: No, I, I really agree, and, and I think there's this element too of just like what does this tell us about, where we're at with um, entertainment journalism, but also Mm -hmm. journalism in general, right? Like, um, you know, especially when we were younger, (laughs) uh, sorry for the yelling at the clouds, uh, everybody, but like, hey, if, you know, if somebody thinks Harrison Ford lives in your (laughs) your town and he doesn't, eh, you know, that's an urban myth. Those things happen sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But now we're getting to this point where extremely, extremely important critical things uh, are are needing Mm -hmm. to be determined as true or not true and Mm -hmm. at at the end of the day you know yeah let's uh let's let's speak truth let's um let's not give uh the wonderful dave Filoni credit for something he didn't do he's already done lots of amazing (laughs) things and he's got more to come he's doing great uh love his work uh Mm -hmm. let's defend gareth edwards that that has a value in and of itself but i think it has an extra value right now when uh when a a just a a headline that maybe the article goes into more depth Mm -hmm. great sometimes the articles don't go in more depth but even when they don't everybody putting out a headline knows thousands to millions of people are going to run with just the headline and Mm -hmm. i think that's that's why this matters And, and i think in, in other eras of journalism, in in a perfect world of journalism, if one person said this, the headline would be "Freddie Prince Jr. claims," and yep. that would be in the headline instead of the entire time. The mm-hmm. entire time, instead of headlines to just say "Dave Filoni directed the Vader yep. hallway scene," right? Yes. Or in other eras, um, you would a journalist would get a second person to verify that, or would call people who were there and would have. Already vetted the story. And that's not exactly. what entertainment a lot of entertainment journalism is right now. It's just something juicy happened, through throw it up on your site for clicks as fast as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And and I think for me the triumph of this story is all these people who are there coming out and going, you know what, there's no shade of gray on this one. So we're gonna just come out and say, no, truth matters.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: No, again, no shade to Freddie Prince Jr. Misunderstanding, whatever it happens, that's not a big deal. But it, it, I, I felt the <laughs> uh, the line must be drawn here. Picard quote in the souls of uh, Pablo Hidalgo and Hal Hickel and Gary Whitta saying, "This one is clear. It's black and white." That's not true.
5: Yeah. They're gonna have to do more of it because like you're like your everything you're saying is so spot on. I've been reading a book on broadcast journalism. It is a little old school. And like they're talking there's a whole chapter on ethics and you know, verifying your sources and not running a story because you want to be the first, but you want to get it right. And we are in a day and age where that's just not going to happen anymore because people do want to get clicks and people do want to be first and they are purposely, or maybe they're just, they just are not going to get the answers, whatever. They're just going to run the story, whether they have the sources or not. Mm -hmm. So I hope that people who are involved, they don't, it was great. They didn't have to say anything more than just, nope, that's not true. I was there. That's all they had to say. Right. But I think it kind of like shuts down that that discourse and that like ugly side of the fandom that just starts to like, yeah, see, Gareth was not direct. No, it just (laughs) shuts it down. And I hope that they do more of that if these things kind of do continue to run, which we know that they will because, you know. People want oh, to get clicks.
2: This would be a great short. You you out there want to build your Star Wars podcast? Do a short right now on, you know, even now, today. Dave Filoni, directed the scene. And what do you think? You got 15 million views right there oh, in your short. All right. <laughs> that yeah. would go. And Joseph, and, uh, your point of, you know, the word claims goes a long way. And, and I, I think that's. Part of it, I I love this, um, you know, the James Guns, the James Mangolds who just kind of go out there, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and, and just kind, no, no, because there's this there's this weird battle. This goes into different spots, I guess. Weird battle on creators of this type, right? Right? These movements to now that guns in charge, DC will take him down. Oh, he's lying. He's and it's just weird thing of just that versus the truth. And often these, these folks are just on the side of no, I was there. <laughs> it was the truth. I'm James Mangold. I was the one who made this movie. I can tell you this isn't happening in Indy Five. Like I it's it's nice to see. And 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 you know, Pablo's out there a lot and has been on the front lines of this, but so is Hal Hickel and, and Gary Witt is a very outspoken guy too. Um and 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 um uh, yeah, I liked it. That that's that's my take on those three guys. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. I I liked
4: it too. Uh, I also will say to to the majority of the outlets credits that I saw, like like Star Wars Newsnet, immediately corrected it and yes. clarified yes. it. The, mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, a a ton of outlets that I think are striving to to do you know true entertainment journalism uh, did immediately uh, correct the story. So kudos to everybody who did that.
2: Yeah, it's important. Look, again, anyone can start a website and that's not, I'm not saying that cynically, but, but I I think it, it comes down to sometimes of, you know, Hey, but that's a real job. The journalist thing is a real job and, and, and you can start on that path and maybe build a great career from, from, from your house, doing your own website. But there's things that come with that, that you need to do that. Maybe you, you you don't, you know, you don't need to follow the standards to get big clicks and get a big following. And that's, that's part of the, the problem is as, as, as well. But again, I, I, I'm with you, I don't want to be old man yelling at clouds. It's not it's not in my day. Walter Cronkite would have asked three people. It's, but it's just <laughs> it works for a reason. And you kind of look around and go, oh, here's where we are. And here's why.
5: Wait, could Also, I just want to say that on Hal Hickel's tweet where he's like, don't spread this story. It's not true. Somebody commented, can you show proof it's not true? And he's like, well, I was on set. So <laughs> it's just like, this is the day and age that we live in. Oh, it's so funny.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love your Walter Cronkite comparison. I'm imagining Walter Cronkite taking his glasses off and with a heavy sigh saying, it turns out. <laughs> Dave Filoni directed the Vader Holloway scene.
2: <laughs> uh, mea culpa. I got that wrong. Uh, it's it's the old Carvey Broca, uh, you know. Yes. Oh. Charles Harr. Dave Holoni did not direct it. Um, oh, yeah, look, I, I, that Harrison Ford story only has, I just grew up with that. Like there was people who used to always say, oh, he's at Scrambles in, in, in Avila Beach or Pismo Beach. And he's, <laughs> like, and, 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 and I even, someone, someone said, oh, it's that house on the hill in Pismo because uh, my my friend's dad was a contractor and he was up there doing drywall for Callista and Harrison, right? And so you just, you don't question it. It's 1995. And in 2020. Two, I, I was up there at the Central Coast Swim Society and just told the story and forgot to, you know, I just said it as fact. And someone in front of like 300 people was like, yeah, no. So, hey, I worked at the airports when he would land in his plane, oh go have breakfast gosh. and fly away. He'd go up and down the coast a lot because he's Harrison Ford. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just It was it was reminded It was emba- it was embarrassing in that way of like, oh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't just accept everything uh uh in that way or shouldn't phrase it that way like what your this is your claims thing joseph like the certain words can allow for the truth to find it i guess i don't know
4: i don't know Yeah, it's deep yeah yeah and i think that i think that happens in our discussions i think it's a valid part of criticism analysis of media to look at you know a, a creative piece and say like i think the director has negative feelings about this idea and is putting them in this film, right? That's a mm. that that level is a part of analyzing the text, right? Right. Um, and and the, what the creators of their own soul and life is putting into the text, but that has become that that blurry line between opinion, right? Where you run into these conversations and yeah. and people go like. Well, it's true that, you know, this episode of this television show is, is bad because so-and-so is lazy now. Like, that's not a fact. That's that's an opinion and an analysis, and you're you're welcome to it. But yeah. you really, you literally can't know, oh, this, uh, I I don't like Coro Talakan because Dave Filoni, you know, had a little, was gassy that day. You don't know that. <laughs> it's fine that you don't like Toro. It's fine if you want to analyze, you know, uh, right. what of Dave Filoni's soul is in Toro Calican.
2: But
4: reporting it even in a casual conversation is a truth you know yeah it's not a truth you know it isn't
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, yeah. Uh, yeah i sometimes we tiptoe around things sometimes we run straight into them but it's like to your point jen too it's like you see you, you, this is what you see out there Yeah, you know, that someone goes that's not true another person goes well how do you know well i'm a scientist i study this field <laughs> it's where i got my doctorate in and oh well yeah, well a guy a guy on a TikTok told me. And it's just it's <laughs> kind of oh my gosh, where we're at. Harrison Ford only flies up and down the coast to go to Scrambles. All right. go it's beautiful. It's still I think Scrambles is still there. There was another there was a couple of locations. It was and then, and then, okay, side note. Yeah. Then, then someone said, well, you know, Mark Hamill lives up here too. And we could never prove that or, or not. So finally, later on, when I become friends with Nathan, I do ask him, did you guys ever live in Avila Beach? And he was like, what? No, I think we went vacation there once. I don't know. Uh. And it just, it just becomes a thing. It's funny. But it's also, look where we're at. It can get tragic real fast.
4: There, there you have it. Now I'm going to go on a different podcast. And I'm going to say, hey, you know what Ken Napsok told me? Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill live in the basement of a restaurant named Scramble. <laughs> it's true. Facts.
2: Uh, all
5: facts. facts.
2: facts. Facts, facts, facts. Uh, all right. Weird story. It uh, went a lot of places, but I, I actually really enjoyed having that conversation. It uh, purged some of the uh, tension I had uh, in my heart for that story this last couple of days. Um, hey, before we get out here, as we always do, we do this week in Star Wars history. Looking ahead to Star Wars past, and we are going all the way to the end of the week on March 12th, two thousand. Oh, where were you? Uh, the unveiling of Drew Struzan's Attack of the Clones release poster took place, appearing on movie theaters and this new fan-dangled online thing. The poster re- uh, featured Padme and Anakin in an across-the-stars type pose, and also at Obi-Wan, beard and all, Jango Fett in the Battle of Geonosis, as we would come to uh, uh, discover, uh, front and center. So what do you think of this poster in 2002, Jen?
5: Um, you know, I'm not sure what I remember of it then, but what I think of it now is it is iconic. It is my favorite of the prequel posters. And it's actually the one that first comes to mind when I think of the prequels um, because Hayden and Natalie Portman, they look so romantic, so beautiful. Ewan McGregor looks so confident and dashing. And, you know, Django, just the whole thing, it's just Feels, and it also has a very retro vibe to it that I just, I love. It just, it really pops and it still holds up and it is, it is a favorite.
2: I ah, love that. Love that take. Um, Joseph, we know this now is one of your favorite Star Wars films celebrated for a lot of wild, wondrous, uh, wondrous reasons. Uh, there's a lot of parts in it that I love now, way more than I loved then. Uh, and and therefore, I enjoy everything about this film, even the things I don't like, if that makes sense. This poster got me excited. I, Because also, by the way, it was like, all right, I know they made a switch in, in Anakin. And what that was that going to be like? And this was kind of for me, you know, confirmation of, all right, it looks like Star Wars. I'm here. I'm here to uh, approach it with an open heart. So I I loved it back then. What about you and your journey with it?
4: Yeah, no, I'm, I really, I have always loved this film for the things I love about it. I love some of the things that people uh, don't like, and uh, the things that I think are a little clunkier don't work are still fascinating to me.
2: Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: I think that's part of it why it's one of my favorites. Is like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's absolutely perfect, but the ways in which it is, are, are flawed, in my opinion, are fascinating. Um, yeah. So, uh, and there's so much that I love and don't think is at all flawed. Um, but I love this, uh, this period of, of buildup. Um, everything that I kept hearing about Attack of the Clones seemed like it was sort of um, addressing some of the things that I wanted to see in The Phantom Menace with. What is the deal with the clones? Uh, mm-hmm. Anakin, who is, you know, at least a teen, <laughs> if not a full yeah. adult, but, you know, doing Jedi stuff, full Jedi stuff, and, you know, more Jedi in action. No, Jango Fett, what is this about? So I, I was so excited. I refreshed mm-hmm. the uh, StarWars.com website almost every day. <laughs> multiple yeah. times if I was procrastinating. Uh but when this actual poster came out, I was on a trip to the UK with my then girlfriend. So I probably saw it when I uh, got home a couple weeks later. Mm. Um but I loved this poster. I, I with Jen, I was like I was so excited and intrigued by the romance in this mm. poster. So puts not just Anakin and Padme's characters in in the front, but the romance right of the way uh, she's leaning on his shoulder it's got that total star-crossed lovers vibe which was a term I learned from an Empire Strikes Back trading card um, uh-huh, yeah, the whole star-crossed lovers vibe and that like the like oh this one's gonna echo Empire Strikes Back where you had posters like this where it was Han and Leia and romance was so in the forefront so I was really intrigued by that uh, I thought Obi-Wan looked awesome <laughs> like can't fully see his mullet in this one. Uh, the promise of more action, Django. Um, but the thing I really liked about it and like about it to this day is that one shot of Yoda, which taken out of the context of the film, Yoda, the little Yoda had has this total vibe of the hell did you just say to me?
2: Yes.
4: <laughs> yes. yes. And I absolutely love that. So I uh, love this poster.
2: It's it's great. And, and it's the, the Django of it all is interesting too because you know, I can't remember exactly when the trailers had come out all this stuff, but but I do remember around the time the only understanding I had of Django that we, this character we're going to see, other than the connections to Boba of course, was uh, uh, Tim Morrison with a umbrella in the rain on the set <laughs> dancing. It was like somehow that photo would come out kind of earlier first and it was a behind the scenes poster, poster or photo, I knew that but so to see him on the poster, I was like, oh okay, maybe now I get it. Oh, this might be good. This might be good. So not that I didn't like him dancing in the ring, but it was just like, what, What's going on? What are we? What, what are we doing? <laughs> what is this? The holiday special? <laughs> what is, yeah, I need to talk about this. Uh, what do we love about Drew Struzan's prequel work overall? This is one of those things that uh, I'm always fascinated with, where it is now ancient history his prequel posters, but it was brand new stuff then it was uh you know a couple of years removed from his work with the special edition re-release posters all the kind of stuff he's obviously a legend in the business there's a great talk of him out there i think on uh, youtube i was watching it uh so uh Jen, your relationship to his his work
5: mm, i mean yeah he's a legend and that that phantom menace poster that's i do love that one too mm-hmm. uh with darth maul kind of looming in the background and I think Revenge of the Sith also has Darth Darth Vader kind of looming in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I, I loved about those posters is that it, they did feel kind of like vintage and retro and kept consistent with the Star Wars that I loved and that I grew up with. And so there is that kind of consistency, even though the prequels were such a departure from what I had expected and obviously um in a, in a wonderful way now. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's wonderful how he maintained that kind of consistency in, in style and tone.
2: Yeah, no, modern classics is the way I look at them there, yeah. and I feel sometimes like we were there when these were new, kids. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's it's the old people in clouds episode of for a second <laughs> day, uh, Joseph. I again, I know, I know you love the, these films, these these movies, uh, and these uh, these pieces of art. Uh, but uh, what's your take on Drew Struzan's prequel work overall?
4: Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm there with you. It, it is the, the, the life you live. You, you can't help when you were born. And, and yeah. I remember when these were new. So being that these are, you know, classic now to a lot of people it is, is really, uh, really great. Um, Yeah, I agree with Jennifer, too. I think they they felt new. They looked new. But they felt like this is the early, late 90s, early 2000s sort of commenting about the past. It is both new and old. Mm-hmm. So perfect for Star Wars. I also think there's a like a powerful legacy to them into a lot of Drew Struzan's artwork um, because a lot of poster styles are like this of like, let them know that there are a lot of characters and a lot going on in the, yeah, in the movie yeah. movies. And, and I think some of them have gotten too busy and I feel like, you know, Drew Struzan is one of the, the OGs of this poster art and mm-hmm. the composition is still really powerful and yeah. really clear. Um, so I think it's kind of he's kind of the forebearer of a lot of what we have now. But in some ways, like, yeah, the old classic who did it right.
2: <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, Now there's a little bit of that energy, too. So great stuff. They look great on walls if you want to uh, get them and frame them. Uh, and I like, too, that they're, again, we're going back to the day and age. But it was like it just made those new Star Wars movies feel like classics within the era as well. Despite the journey that I had with them personally. All right, we're out of here today. We've uh, we've gone deep on these new stories. I thought it was going to be a quick little job, but we had a lot to say <laughs> about these stories. And I hope you all uh, enjoyed the ride. We're almost out of here. I'll let you know where you can uh, find us. We're on Twitter at Four Center Pod. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're on Instagram, and as we mentioned, YouTube as well. Shorts, essays, uh, figure fights episode is up there. The third one. Uh, is uh, yeah, third one is up there right now. Take a look at that one. Dark Ray versus Hermie Odle podcast is available on ACAST, iHeartRadio and a lot of other spots. Just search. You'll find us merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support on uh, patreon.com slash force center. support us directly. Uh, we reach one goal more on the way. Of course, the Indiana Jones and the perilous podcast episodes will drop on March 20th. Like Joseph said, exclusive to Patreon supporters up until the release of dial of destiny You can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to KatNapsok.com for more information on all the things I do, Fortnite clips, blathering clip-outs, all those things are on my YouTube channel and Instagram page as well. Jen, where can they find and follow you?
5: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube at Jennifer Landa. Um, I'm posting every week about the Mandalorian. And I also have some random things where I think last week I did a (laughs) review of the Haunted Mansion trailer because it was actually good. Um, (laughs) So, oh, and of course, TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. So you can check me out at all those places.
2: Great stuff. I saw the uh, Haunted Mansion thing. So there you go, kids. Watch it. Watch it. Just where can they find you? You can find me watching
4: the Haunted Mansion trailer and then Jennifer's uh, analysis because I haven't <laughs> seen either of them yet. and I'm very excited. Very excited. Uh, but you can also find me on all the social media is at Joseph Grimshaw uh, Twitter, if it's still working <laughs> when this podcast is released. Uh, it seems to break a little bit more each day uh, also on Instagram some more friends have been joining me over there so it'd be great to find me on Instagram uh, also on TikTok and YouTube I'm continuing to do my not on videos and more short films and stuff coming to my YouTube channel just search for Joseph
2: Scrimshaw. There it is my friends just search search and search we'll see you next time here on Four
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life.